talk about uh, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. You know, what it means to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I always uh, love talking about uh, things related to the atonement and the blood of Jesus because that is just so vitally important to our life in him. It's important to your life every day. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And so that was a, a biggie to have to shed blood every time you had to go to God. You know, it was just a burden for people. But God used it as a teaching tool for his children, Israel, teaching them and foreshadowing the atonement, the final atonement, uh, the eternal atonement that would come through Jesus Christ. And so it's just like God to prepare us knowledge wise to teach us things that are to come so that when they come we won't miss it we'll receive what he has for us but just like people most of his people did not receive him bible says he came to his own his own received him not but to as many as received him they be they receive power to become sons of god and so that's us that's you and that's me and that will be anybody else that we will share Christ with who will accept him by faith and receive the atoning work of the cross of Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about uh, uh, worship a little bit. The first, we'll talk about Old Testament worship just as a background so we get an understanding of, of why God does things the way he does and how important it is for us to uh, you know, just open our hearts to understand what he what he desires for us to have in worship yesterday in our uh rejoice detroit meeting uh we got shared about his love for us and i think that's that's probably been the central of most of our um prophetic utterances songs of the lord for some years now i know it's been over 15 or 20 years and uh it, god keeps reiterating his love for us he just keeps repeating it over and over again. And I think it's because many people don't really understand it, don't receive it, experience it, don't understand how wide and how effective his love is for us and uh, appreciate it and, and attempt to learn about it more. But there are so many aspects to the love of God. It, it provides so many things for us. Uh, John 3.16 says that he so loved everybody that he gave his son as a ransom for the souls of people who even hate him and, and you know, don't want him. Uh, people who worship false gods. God has opened up his love even to people who are in error uh, because he just wants people back to him. He wants them to understand the joy and the freedom of worship, the joy and the freedom of exalting him and lifting him up and what that can do to lift us up. And so if you turn to John 4 uh, verse 24, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and he he tells her, he says, God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, you know, these are kind of like deep concepts um, that Jesus shares with everybody. You ever notice that he doesn't have like deep stuff for deep people and shallow stuff for shallow people? And this woman was living with a man she wasn't married to. 
I mean, not just throwing shade at her. You know what I'm saying, but it's a truth. <laughs> if it's true, it ain't shade. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you would expect him not to take up much time with her. That's all I'm saying. Cause she had a reputation. She has such a reputation that when she began to go and evangelize her community and tell them what Jesus had told her, they went and said, mm, I'm gonna go see for myself. So you know, that's why God uses some, some of the people he uses. He doesn't want us just, some things are so important to God that we receive. He wants us to have a personal, upfront and personal knowledge. You know, you don't have to, well, she, what she say? She said, I just met a man who told me all the truth about myself, you know. And so they went and she said he was the Messiah. They went and said, no, we're going to go see for ourselves. Well, that's what God wants everybody to do. Amen. See, they took the bait. Being bait for God ain't a bad thing. You understand what I'm saying? I don't care how messed up your life has been. How low down and dirty is, is, you know, the world has been to you or whatever. You're redeemed. Amen. There's a purpose for your life. And so, you know, being the, the town whore isn't the worst thing in the world. If, if you meet Jesus, you know, you don't have to hide that from everybody. Everybody knows it anyway. Amen. But he shows that he saves to the uttermost. Amen. To the uttermost. So there's nobody too tough for him to save or not to save. You know, sometimes we look around the, the, you know, say, you will be saved and thy house. You claim household salvation. Except for, you know the list. Some families have short lists. Some families have long lists. Huh? Babra, man, man, dosi do, cut and gal, and huh, all of them renegades, and so you can claim salvation for them because the same blood that saved you can save them. Amen. You're not no worse or better than they are. God sees us all the same. Amen. We're all savable. And we're all created in his image and worthwhile. Amen. If Jesus didn't balk at going to, to the cross for man, man, then you shouldn't balk at prayer and believe in God for him either. Amen. Amen. So it's a good thing that, that we understand that God has the power to save to the uttermost. He always has. So Jesus witnesses to this woman. Amen. And, and she's got already got a reputation. So when she opens her mouth, people are going to have something to say about it. And so she makes a pretty good witness. Sometimes you need people that don't have reputations for witness. You need people in all kinds of walks of life to witness for Christ. Amen. And so uh, when she talks to Jesus and and she understands, she says to him, I know that Messiah is going to come, which is called Christ. And so she begins to put two and two together and identify him as somebody who has been promised to come to the nation of Israel. And so when we understand that God now wants us 
to worship him in spirit and in truth, then it behooves us to understand really what that means. What does he mean by worshiping him in spirit and in truth? And so I thought I'd just go over a few things from from uh, the Old Testament to show you what worship was like and then bring you up to what worship is like for us now. Uh, the worship was the people met for worship in the temple. Amen. They had several temples throughout Israel's history. At one point when the nation was split in two, they had two locations. Now Samaria was one of the locations uh, for where they worshiped, uh, collected together for worship. But in Jesus' time, now it was all done in Jerusalem. When the people first gathered together, all of the people gathered in what they call the outer court. So at worship time, they had worship twice a day. The Levites would come. They were the ones who were appointed as priests. When you were in Jewish tradition, Jewish history, you were born into the priesthood. Now you're born again into the priesthood. You got me. You still got to be born. But because it's a spiritual occurrence, you are born again. You're actually born once in the natural and then born again by the spirit. And so these people were designated. These were Moses and Aaron's descendants. And they were designated as priests unto God. Which means that was their only job. Amen. Uh, they There was a... a parcel of land every tribe there were 12 tribes in the nation of israel every tribe had a designated piece of land that they provided the levites the levites had no inheritance in natural land you got me it was always spiritual now why would god limit them like that they were under the law so there were, were tight restrictions under the law but that kept them from getting uh, diverted from their jobs as priests to God. You know, if you had land and a big house with a Cadillac in the driveway and you didn't feel like getting up and giving sacrifices and stuff today, you go do you something else. Huh? So that restriction was placed on them so they didn't get mad at somebody, get them, go do something else. Huh? Like we see ministers now. You see these these uh, statistics. Oh, ministers quit the ministry at the rate of, well, maybe they wasn't called. To me, quit and do what? Fred Price, I remember years ago when God told me I was called in the ministry. I said, well, Lord, how long do I do this? And where am I going to do it? And I had all these questions. And so I was watching Fred Price one day and he said, uh, somebody, you know how Fred is, he's just out there, you know, it's what you see is what you get. And he said, he was telling the story and this was a true story about a, a gentleman who had retired from the pastorate and they didn't provide any kind of um, retirement for him or anytime he was really struggling and he was saying, that, you know, they were doing this big fundraising for him and for other ministers that had served God faithfully with no retirement. And Fred Price said, retire? The devil don't retire. And Fred is what, 80-something now? And he's still preaching. Amen. He said, how do you retire and your adversary is still working? Huh? 
And so we have to understand that there has to be a commitment that locks people into doing this. It, there has to be a commitment from you that locks you in to being the priesthood of the Lord as well. As Amen. And so we are locked into this priesthood by our calling, by our lifestyle, by our commitment to it. You have to be committed to God. You know, you can't just want to just jump up and, well, you in it, uh, and then you get mad at somebody because you're mad at somebody. You don't go to church no more. You don't give no more. You don't do this no more. And then, until something bad happens, and then you just come tucking your tail back in. You understand what I'm saying? Or you go to somebody else's church where you think they don't know you. There's somebody from the last church. Hey, girl, you over here too? That's what happened to everybody. Huh? God is trying to tell you something. Why you think he's following you everywhere you go? He's trying to tell you, hey, we got a blood commitment. Huh? We one love. Amen. Amen. You don't run from that. You can try if you want to, but you don't get away from a blood commitment. Amen. So you got to act accordingly. So the Levites were the priests in charge. They were split up into many, many, many different categories. They were porters and, and singers and uh, um, uh, high priests, so the priests at the altar, etc., etc. Many, many different designations. Why? Because they had to manage everything in the temple. Amen. They took care of the temple. They cleaned everything. They made sure everything was kept sanctified and holy. They had to keep make sure the fire at the altar never went out. That was an eternal flame. So there was a lot to do. God did not want them just up and quitting doing what they had been called to do. So people assembled in the outer courts and the Levites would open the gates and the people would enter. And in that place, praise was offered to God. So there was praise in the outer court for the general population, and it was led by the priesthood. Then after they left, the priests would leave the people in the outer court, and they would enter next into the inner court. And this was a place for the priesthood only. They would wash their hands and feet in a bronze basin to cleanse themselves for the first cleansing. Your feet were cleansed. Why? Because you were on holy ground. Remember when God met Moses, he said, take your shoes off because the place where you are is holy ground. So wherever God met with people was holy ground and they had to do something to respect it accordingly. So they washed their feet because they had to step everywhere. And in stepping, they were possessing. Amen. And it also they wash their hands because hands represent your labor and your work so that you were about to go to work for God. So in the inner court, you, you did that washing. After that, uh, in, in, there was a brazen altar where animals were sacrificed and sins were remitted. They washed also in what they called the molten sea. So they removed their clothing, washed their total bodies, in the molten sea, which was part of the inner court, then they were free to enter into the holy place. So they changed clothes when they got into the holy place. So you can see anybody here ever work in surgery or work in hospitals or a student? Sheree, you ain't worked in no surgery. 
you be down there pushing people papers telling people <laughs> don't go up there and get no surgery from this one don't go <laughs> no you don't i'm messing with you but you know what i'm talking about if if you know anything about what they call uh sterile technique miss pat you can help me out you worked in surgery a long time didn't you you didn't like i said who did oh okay well that's good what'd you do die on a ward, but not in the operating room. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is totally different because it reminds me so much of the operating room. Because if you go into the operating room, you wash up on the outside. And you had designated areas. Anything below your waist is contaminated. Everything above is sterile. That's why. Huh? You ever see Ben Carson, how he holds his hands all the time? They're always folded. And it's because they kept them up here where their, their, their gown was sterile. They had sterile gloves on. And so they didn't have to go back out and wash. You didn't do that in surgery. If you did, they told on you, took you right out and got you clean. They did. They mess around. And thank God they didn't because then you can come out of surgery without an infection. You understand what I'm saying? And so it so reminded me of that because of the the care that the priests took to make sure they were clean before God. You you make sure that there's no sin standing between you and God. That's what that was all about. If the priests made a mistake, they would go into the next place they went into was the holy place where the sacrifices and offerings were made. And just the high priest would go into the holy of holies once a year. And that was the third step in the temple. The temple was the presence of God. That altar in the Holy of Holies was only opened up once a year by the high priest after he had gone through all that ritual washing to make sure that his sins were washed before God. At each step, at each place, they would fall on their faces on the floor and worship God. So there was a prostrate worship of God, both by the people in the outer court then the priests in the inner court at every juncture they went to, they cleansed themselves, signifying uh, letting go of sin and presenting themselves before God in, in the holy place. And so the high priest, though, once a year would go in to offer the sacrifice on the high day of atonement. And what they would do would they would would wear a robe, um, and we talked about it. Jesus wore such a robe. The woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment, because they had bells and pomegranates on the end of the high priest's robe, and so that would make a jingling noise when they would walk in the holy of holies. If the jingling stopped, they would equip with a rope around their waist. Because they knew that he had dropped dead and they would just pull him right on out of there. And we keep on with business as usual. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't make the cut. And so this was not something to play around with. And God kept it holy and sacred for that reason as an example for us. That we are now the priests of the Most High God. God wants us to be holy. We are a holy priesthood. Amen. And uh, when when we talk about it, we should understand the reverence 
that God expects us to have about who we are, how to worship him, the position he has us in in the earth so that we don't get religious about it, take it lightly and start playing with it and all this kind of stuff. Like you see a lot of people, you know, I keep picking on Facebook. I probably need to stay off of there, but I go on there to put some, put some teachings on there once a day. I put a teaching on there and I try to get off, but, um, you see a lot of talk about, uh, calling one another kings and queens. You understand what I'm saying? Now to me that cheapens it. Because the Bible says we're royal priesthood. We're not kings and queens. You see the difference? Or do I have to go across the street to the Y and come back in and <laughs> announce myself? You don't wear a crown in the holy place. You understand me? You don't go to worship God with a crown on your head. A priest works. Huh? Well, priesthood is working. They kept on the move all the time. If they ever quit making noise, that mean they drop dead in there and just come in and pull the next guy in. You know, get the one who's next in line to be high priest and move him on in there. And so God wants us to always keep in mind that he is a consuming fire. His presence is holy. And the reason that he has us, uh, 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 be born again and, and confess our sins. And when we sin and err as believers and as Christians, we have to confess them again and ask forgiveness. You don't want the weight of guilt and condemnation working on you all day long. You understand? You've been freed from that. But you got to step into your freedom. You can't just walk around and say, well, I'm saved and I got saved and keep bragging about something Jesus done for you and you just got smart enough for a minute to accept it. Now we gotta build on it. We've gotta learn what he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He says, I'm not hard to get along with and I'm not hard, I live inside of you. This, this will be the easiest teaching you ever had. But you're gonna have to be consistent in it and you're gonna have to respect it and you're gonna have to have a reverence for it. So the priests would worship, we said they prostrated themselves at every turn in the holy place. Incense was offered before God. So that was a place of incense. And they again would prostrate themselves before God and worship him. Prostration really spoke to being submitted to God. Just let go of everything. Don't go in there with no long list of. I mean God wants to bless us and give us the desires of our heart. But keep worship in the spirit. Keep worship sanctified and set apart keep worship holy so that you can start to get the benefit of worship and you can offer that up to God and find out why he commands us to worship him amen because there's there are many uh, many treasures to be revealed to us in that place of worship you know there really are and so it, it's good if we can understand worship as a total experience by itself whether it's congregational worship or whether it's personal worship between you and God and so the priest had both they had congregational in the outer court and they had personal in the holy place and so when they would get themselves before God they would worship the Lord in what the Bible refers to as the beauty of holiness. Amen. 
And trust me, when you spend time with God, you come out with something. Amen. You come out with a a package that has fed your spirit. You come out with something that that you didn't have before you went in there. Uh, just like uh, um, Zacharias went in to do the priestly duties and he came out and he couldn't talk. And everybody realized he'd had an encounter with God while he was in there. Well, that encounter opened up a whole new world to him. Amen. What happened from that encounter? He had a son after he and his wife had been barren for all those years. The Bible says they were elderly people and they had a son who would be the forerunner for the Messiah. So these these holy place, these worship experiences are extremely important because they can be life changing. And God wants to change us in the atmosphere of worship. Amen. You won't get this from some little conversation you have with your friends or whatever, whatever. That's all good. It's, it's good to fellowship around the things of God and all of that. But, but the worship experience that God has provided for us, uh, is something totally in a total different package. So the priest, high priest went in there and he was able to have a personal encounter and experience with God. And they were thankful for them. Amen. You were thankful that you got a chance to get before God and and to worship him and to come out changed, to come out different. When Moses spent time with God, his face shone. He had to wear a veil over his face because 40 days in the presence with God changes you, folks. It's it's there's an impartation into your life that is life changing. Amen. It's life changing. So it set Moses apart from everybody else. You know, many times when you are called to, to serve God, people tend to like to treat people like everyday people. You, you understand what I'm saying? And it's not that, that people don't respect you, but somehow God has to, to show them who you are, set you apart from everybody else. With Moses, his face was shining. With Joshua, who was his replacement, you know, here they come second string. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But but God began to elevate Joshua real quickly. He did miracles like he did with Moses. And it said from that day forward, God began to elevate Joshua in the eyes of the people. So God knows what to do to prove to people who you are. You don't have to go proving nothing. You don't have to go sue nobody. You don't have to go do get ugly with anybody and go talk about people and what they don't let people do in that church. You don't have to do any of that stuff. God knows how to tell people who you are and how to elevate you in the eyes of the people. He does it all the time with his spirit. And he does it through these encounters that we have with him. These worship experiences and encounters that we have with, with the Lord. So after the priests worshiped God in the Holy of Holies, they would come out, address the people, and bless them. So they would go in the the holy place of worship. They would receive impartation from God, enough to come out and speak over the people under the anointing that blessed the people. Kind of like what we try to do now. You know what I'm saying? Some of us are more anointed than others and more knowledgeable than others. But this is what the preaching uh, uh, started, you know, under the old covenant. They would come out and bless. One of the popular uh, blessings they had was in, was it Numbers? I keep forgetting the number six. 
20 yeah may the lord bless you and keep you may he make his face to shine upon you where do you think they got that idea from because the priest's face was shining because he spent time in the worship of the lord and so what they were saying may the lord do for you what he just did for me and so he they wanted everybody to have that experience so that was a desire of the heart of the priesthood was to share god with everybody so when the priest would enter the Holy of Holies, there was a, a curtain that covered up that holy place with the Ark of the Covenant in there and, and uh, the, the pieces of the altar that were, were behind, quote unquote, the veil. And that curtain was at least 60 feet high. Um, I read somewhere that when the curtain was installed, it's so heavy it took 300 men to carry it. It it was like a skins, you know, like they would skin cattle and animals and all of that and put it together and make this huge curtain. Well, when Jesus was crucified and he died, that curtain split starting at the top all the way down to the bottom. Amen? Why don't we go there? We'll show you how... God was so anxious for us to to be able to bring he was so anxious to bring us out of that let me see if I wrote the scripture down God you're anxious but I totally overlooked the scripture okay so let me <laughs> hopefully it's in the back of it's one of the last chapters we'll try the book of John and see if that praise God who is it like I said, Matthew. I knew that. <laughs> 27, huh? Okay. 51. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So. We'll start for 47. Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calls for Elijah. And right away, one of them ran, took a sponge, filled it with vinegar, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, <clears throat> let him alone or let it be. Let us see where, whether Elijah will come to save him. Now this shows you the hatred in the world for the things of God. Amen. So don't you be surprised when the world does the same thing to you. Amen. And so he says, then Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook. The rocks shook. Graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. So on the day that he died, the graves began to pop open. But the people didn't walk out. Amen. Until Jesus walked out. The body of Christ cannot go ahead of the head. But could you imagine living in that city like we got uh, what cemetery over there? We start seeing graves open. And nobody come out yet, nobody opened them. See, God knows how to get a crowd together. I mean, come on, y'all. You talk about the buzz. I mean, social media has nothing compared to word of mouth. 
Can you imagine all the people so and so? Well, I heard he, so and so's grave is open now. So and so's grave is open now. So they all are scared. Go home and hide somewhere. And then ain't Ruth come knocking on the door of your house? Hey girl, it's, it's all good now. Huh? We are totally free. I'm on my way to heaven. Huh? Absolutely. So the body of Christ then, when Jesus dies, they get sprung. Hmm? That's how ransom happens. You got me? See, when the ransom's paid, the captor is sprung. You know, these people who are kidnappers, sometimes that's the hardest thing to arrange. We snatched the person we wanted to snatch, and the family's willing to pay, but how do we make the drop and exchange the prisoner? Because many snares can be laid. See, the police can be around, and you let go of the prisoner, and you get no money. Huh? So in an honest retrieval, or an honest uh, uh, payoff, ransom payoff the minute the drop is made the prisoners are sprung amen so there's no legal right that the devil has to hold anybody who the blood of jesus has paid for your your deliverance is guaranteed already that's how you can claim that you are healed by his stripes because the ransom was paid the drop was made everybody that was in captive from sin and in the uh, sickness and the effects of sin has come out of the grave already why do we stay in there wondering when it's gonna happen for us you understand what i'm saying them people that's over two thousand years ago them people got out them graves and sometimes we sit up and wonder huh this is better than you know kenda joe kenda <laughs> one of one of my faves but anyway id network I, I watch too much of it huh but i mean this is a the best detective story ever amen so when the graves were open that 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 veil split from top to bottom and to be honest with you when it split there was a high priest behind that curtain making the yearly sacrifice because it was during the passover so he turns around you know only thing i can think comparable you know the, the wizard of oz guy when they opened the curtain and found out he like how y'all get in here this ain't supposed to be open because somebody dropped dead if this thing opens up on us but God was signifying that he was releasing his spirit was no longer captive to the law anymore. But now it was released to you and you and me and everybody by the spirit. And the Bible says the spirit goes where he wants to. Who, Where he comes from you don't know. You don't know where he's going either. He says so is everybody who's born of the spirit of God. It's an invisible event. And that's wonderful. Because it can be personal to you. Nobody gets to judge if you're saved or not saved. Amen. It's it's it was for you. You ain't saved for them. You saved for you. I'm saved for me. You understand what I'm saying? So you're saved. God makes it personal that way. 
So the, these people then, the high priest was then relieved of his earthly duties now. So the high priest, and this is what makes it by faith. See, when it was under the law, certain certain families of people had certain duties. Certain families didn't have certain duties. But now that it's done by the Spirit, we all have the same function as kings and priests of the Most High God. I don't see nothing about no queens in there. Now, I'm sorry if that offends some people. You know, I just get tired of a lot of nonsense. You know, because, you know, I take my salvation very seriously. And I don't offend nobody if I don't have to. But I don't like people playing around with stuff that costs Jesus his life and his blood. You go play about something else. But, you know, lead us alone. Let this be holy. And, and let it be reverential. And I'm not talking about a bunch of rules and regulations. Can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do that. But, but <laughs> don't touch that. You know what I'm saying. Just some things we just don't play around with. You know, you don't mess with. And I think the more reverence and respect you can give what Jesus did for us, the better it'll prosper you. It can only work to your good. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 3.16 reminds us that we are the temple of God. He has chosen to live in us. He said sacrifices and offerings I have not but a body you have prepared for me. Amen. And so we are the temple of the most high God. The God who made heaven and earth. The man who is the God is possessor of heaven and earth. He lives within us. But we are worshiping in spirit and in truth for a reason. So even though God lives in us, we have to let him live through us, in us and outside of us. And the key to that is worship. Amen. And, you know, and the things related to reading the word and, and, you know, we all love the Bible. I don't know of a, a Christian that's that's alive you know what i'm saying who doesn't love the word of god that's where your life is and that's where your feeding is but aside from that there is worship in in the spirit and and god wants us to partake of that because that's where the transformation is you know if 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 we didn't have worship to permeate our souls permeate the cells of your brain cleanse your soul and wash you and and transform you that way you'd be just like a jehovah's witness you just memorized a lot of scripture and it's not really feeding you that feeding has to take place so there has to be a balance of of worship in the word there has to be a relationship with god you know, Jesus is the word of God. He is the living word, but he needed the spirit too. He needed the Holy Ghost to help him and to energize him and, and empower him and do all the things that are needed. The Holy Ghost is not spooky. You can get in the word and learn about the works of the Holy Spirit just like you learn about everybody, everything else. The fact though that he is such a part of us, he is so close to us. It's easy to confuse what he's doing through you and in you with what you do. Because 
one love. <laughs> you know, we are. We're one heart with God. We're, we're fused with him. We're one being with him. Many times we, we think it's us and it's God in us and through us. And it takes, sometimes it takes you a long time to figure that out. You know, I, I hear people say things like, well, my boss don't like me and they pick on me and, you know, my family don't like me. And it's, don't you know that's God they don't like? I mean, give yourself a little credit. I don't know what you, what, how you got saved and what confession you made, but come on now. This is pretty much following regulation pattern for people when God moves in the house. First thing that your your family wants to know is who invited God in here. You understand what I'm saying? And and the Holy Ghost is not going to be bashful and shy. He's going to get after them people because you done prayed for them. Huh? So don't take it personal. As the mafia says, it's only business. Huh? They take you out and shoot you in the back of the head and throw you in the grave. It's only business. You understand what I'm saying? So if you're a believer, don't take it personal. They ain't they ain't mad at you. In fact, they've been mad at you since you came in and you didn't have God. <laughs> they didn't like you then. <laughs> they really ain't gonna like you now. <laughs> you cannot disarm yourself of the Holy Ghost. You cannot divest yourself of the Holy Ghost. You can't kick him out and you can't stop him because he's there to teach you how to go with the flow, how to roll with the punches, how to get the job done, how to submit. Huh? Worship is our place of consolation. Huh? The sanctuary. Huh? Absolutely. The Bible says, I, you know, the writer says, I think it's in one of the Psalms. He says he was uh, upset about things. I see sinners getting away with this and getting away with that, and doing this and that. And my foot almost slipped until I went in the sanctuary. Huh? That's where you get straightened out. In the place of worship is where you get your mind cleared out. You get straightened out. You get, you know. <laughs> Let God snatch you up in your collar and, and say, hey, come here, let me tell you something about. Huh? You know, my husband passed away and I thought I could get over it quick and then I didn't get over it as fast and then it was taking too long. It was blah, blah, blah. And the Lord told me one day, he said, you better get yourself together. He said, cause the devil is gaining on you. You keep this up much longer. You understand what I'm saying? So you get yourself snatched up and I went into the sanctuary. You understand what I'm saying? Got straightened out. Got an understanding of being peaceful. You know, when you're, when you're, you've had a life and it's kind of been altered or part of it taken away from you, you can look down the end of the tunnel and see where it's straightened out again. But you gotta get there. You understand what I'm saying? And you can't get there yourself. You gotta trust God to get you there. Amen. So we retreat to the sanctuary. That place in your heart where you begin to lift up your hands and you begin to worship God when nobody's watching. Amen. In your free time. Amen. Get by yourself in a corner somewhere. Amen. 
and allow God to do his transforming work. So we are the temple of God. Amen. So we're the temple and God dwells here, but we got to ask ourselves sometimes, are we really worshiping him in spirit and in truth? Are we doing what's necessary and then some to keep our spiritual lives together? Amen. First Peter 219. I'll read these to you. Y'all think y'all got crowns I'm trying to take away from you. Y'all better stop messing with me like that. I might have to go and talk on crowns and what they cost and ask you how you got yours and how it was paid for. Uh-huh. Crowns you do not buy on a credit card and you do not do layaway. Well, I won't even go there, okay? So we're going to skip that part. I mean, let me just stick stick the business business right here. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2. <laughs> Start in verse 1. It says, "Therefore, laying aside all malice, guile, hypocrisies, envy, envy speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby." If so be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming and as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed by men, but chosen of God, precious, that's you. People may not like you, but you're chosen of God and precious. He said, you also are lively stones. That means we are living stones and built and we are part of being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. For what purpose? Not to wear a crown. Underline that right there. Put a little tab right beside that and say, no, a crown. Priesthood, number one, that word means work to me. That means you got a J-O-B. What does a priest do? They, they bring the needs of others before the throne of God. You pray for people. You pray for yourself. You pray for the needs of your church, your your uh, pastors, your uh, um, uh, parents, your family members. You're a priest. God needs priests, folks. Trust me, he does. And you offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes what we do acceptable. And don't ever forget it. Don't ever step over that. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confused, confounded, put to shame. Hmm? You so worried about what's going to happen to you if you tell somebody about Jesus at the job? Huh? Bible says you have a guarantee not to be ashamed, confounded, put to shame. Have the tables confound means the tables turn on you. That's not going to happen to you. You're going to do what God told you to do and live to tell about it and enjoy it and do it again. Amen. He says, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I love what we said, that should not be confounded unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. But to them that are disobedient, 
The stone which the builders disallow, the same is made the head of the corner. And it's a stone of stumbling to disobedient people and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So there's people that could know God but don't. But you, again, he keeps singling out the believer. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Royal priesthood really means you're a combination of the high priest and the king, all in one office. Under the old covenant, they had the priesthood, which was the tribe of Levi. Not the soul brother Levi, but the, <laughs> I'm messing with y'all. I always see stuff like that. I said, Levi, was he a brother? No. <laughs> you know what I mean. Names are names. People pick them for different reasons. But anyway, the, you are a, a royal priesthood. So that means that what God has done here has merged the kingship, which came came down through Jesus Christ. It was he was the end of that line. And also the Levitical priesthood. He merged those together in us. So we have rulership as well as servanthood in one package. And you know, there's people going around, you know, I, I listen to all these little fad things. Well, the body of Christ has only known the priesthood so far. They don't know anything about kingship. So that's why they give everybody a crown. Listen, the Bible says in Ephesians 3 that it is our job to make known to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. If that ain't more kingly than the devil is, I don't know what else you need to establish your rulership. People afraid to cast out devils. They scared to bind devils. They scared to tell devils to leave people alone, to leave their kids alone, to leave the schools alone, to leave the church alone. They scared of that stuff. So they want to give you a happy message and not tell you how to rule and reign with Christ. He is the great high priest and he is king and Lord of all. And if he lives in you, then you have those same abilities, they same everything. When you sit up here on, pray, on Saturday and pray those prayers and you bind this and you bind that, that is all the rulership, kingship, queenship, whatever kind of ship you need. You're given that rulership authority so that somebody who only knows to go preach the gospel can go into the darkest places on the earth without coming out killed or maimed or so the people who have a sense about who they are and know how to use what God's given them and their authority over the works of darkness. We don't have authority over each other. You don't have authority over people. Well, but you can kick the devil's can from one side of this building to the next you can go into your your children's school or grandchildren's school and kick the devil's can from one end to the next. Huh? You can make them let go of your goldfish, your your cocker spaniel, your whatever you got. That's what kings do. That's what rulers do. Amen. And so as a ruler, 
and as a priest, you're able to combine the two and offer up holy prayers before God and take authority over the enemy. When Jesus said he'd given us the keys to the kingdom, what he meant was, I ain't going to bind the devil for you. Now I dealt with him once. What I do, I do one time and it lasts forever. I'm not coming down there telling nobody to let go of your nothing. You tell them. Huh? That's what kings do. That's the kingly part. See, the reason people, church people don't like to talk about that, because they don't do it. They scared of the devil, scared of the devil. You know, I, when people, <laughs> when I first started ministry, all we would have in the meetings was witches. I'm like, God, come on, not witches again. Whether it was Halloween, not Halloween, whatever it was. You know, I was in a, a nice women's ministry. No offense to anybody who is of the Caucasian persuasion. But they were nice white ladies and I was the only African American person there. And they'd say, oh, we want you to be a hostess at our meetings. And a hostess to put on my nice, you know, make sure my skirt isn't too long and all that because I'm a Christian now. I just want to be a nice hostess. I sit across from this lady and she starts foaming at the mouth and so I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I just pulled a tablecloth over her. And... So this other lady at the table stands up and she says, looks at me and she says, the deliverance minister is here. Do I have a midget in my pocket? Huh? But see, they see the anointing, they, they see the anointing on you has probably made this lady do this thing. So you better take care of it. Huh? So I, I went and I laid hands on her and they all joined in with me. They want to be a part of it now. I don't think we ever saw the poor woman again, but I know, I know she left free that day. Huh? She thought she came for a cinnamon roll and some coffee, but she, Huh? All I'm saying is that this is a package deal. I just love Jesus. I just wanted to do what he wanted me to do. I said, Jesus, I'll make peanut butter sandwiches. I don't care what, you know what I'm saying? That's anything. I was so glad to have my sanity back. I'm thinking, I can go someplace and sit for 30 minutes without wanting to run out. You understand what I'm saying? Woo, I was a happy camper. So I really didn't care what he told me to do. But I'm telling you, you have that authority. But you got to get fear out of you. And you got to go into the sanctuary where you can. God builds us up there. That's where your identity, that's where you find out really who you are. Amen. First Peter 2, 5 tells us that we offer up spiritual sacrifices. So your work is totally spiritual. Now, I don't say that to say if somebody tells you to pass out coffee and donuts, you just, well, is that spiritual? I don't think so. You know what I'm saying. Don't get, get like that, you know. Amy Simple McPherson built the biggest church in Los Angeles during the Depression, the 1930s. 
where people had no work. They were out in Los Angeles of all places. Middle of the desert. Not much there. But she did it because God promoted her. She and her husband. She was married to a missionary. They both got sick. I think with malaria. The husband passed away. God healed her. From that she started her healing ministry. But they would have these convocations. Or what they call them. Forget what they call them. Uh, like the all week camp, camp meetings where everybody would go, you pack up the kids, you pack up the dog, you packed up everything, brought a tent, and you camped out for the whole week for God. And the first, I think it was the first night, the cook got sick. And she said, I can cook! They, you know, announced it in the meeting. Well, we need a cook here. I can cook! She got up and cooked that night. Next night or a couple nights later, uh, the organist was sick. I play the organ. She got to play the organ. Huh? Singers were sick. I sing. She got up and sang. The last night, the preacher was sick. I preach. And her ministry took off. See, she they didn't even let her cook at first. But see, she proved that she could take death out the pot. Got to know them things. If you're going to cook for the saints. You know the devil is slippery. He'll try anything on you at least once or twice. Amen. But I always tell people, you know, people come in. Oh, you're a pastor. Are you, and you're serving food. I said, baby, I do this so you don't die. And they look at me crazy. <laughs> I want you to look. Ain't no death in the pot when the prophet stirs the food. Go read your Bible come up here telling me what I'm supposed to do I got my instructions from God (laughs) I'm not going to go there I was going to go someplace else but we don't have time for me to visit there too (laughs) what a shame All right. so (laughs) Revelation (laughs) Revelation 1 6 it says here Jesus see what it does say if I have it right that he has made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory dominion forever amen always glorify God give him the praise and give him the credit for anything he does through you what he's placed upon you you thank God for I remember uh, having meetings where uh, you know, we would come out and, and there was such a presence of God there, glory of God there. You'd be drunk. You'd be stumbling around. And then I noticed that I would lie down and I would get up and it was still the same thing. And God said, he said, give me my glory back. And I would say, I said, oh God, I'm sorry. I said, I give you back the glory and it would lift. See, that's a real occurrence, folks. It's not, you know, you don't go out and wear it and keep touching people and letting them drop and fall. And You understand what I'm saying? There's a place where it's you but not, and you know it ain't. And you got to keep those lines clear so they don't get blurred. And and this is how ministers get in trouble and lose everything, or then the anointing starts to wane and they don't know how they messed up. But it's real simple. 
when it's like this uh you're the glory and the anointing of god you wear that for service like the priests wore the robes during the service and when the service was over what did they do they removed it they took it off they didn't try to wear it everywhere and impress their friends and you know want people to fall down when you walk past them and all that kind of stuff you don't do that amen i know some people have it's happened with some people but you know let's come on now this is not something to be played with so we have to keep it holy so we are kings and priests to reign on earth revelation 5 10 tells us amen hebrews 10 9 i will talk about the blood a little bit so that we can understand how we have access and understand how to appropriate the blood of jesus amen hebrews 10 verse 19 Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, through his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. God wants us to never be doubtful about anything, any transaction that we do in the sanctuary. Because you are drawing near to God by the blood that has been shed for you if you will honor the blood of Jesus. Now what do we mean when we say honor the blood of Jesus? If you look at our prayer manual on the instructions It tells you to confess your sins and receive your cleansing. You don't enter into prayer. You don't enter into his presence. You don't enter into anything assuming that he didn't see when you cuss somebody out. And you didn't ask him to forgive you for two or three weeks. And you don't know why you're feeling funny. Huh? The blood is the answer for all your funny feelings. Huh? And you don't really enter into true worship and spirit and in truth until you have appropriated the blood as an, and acknowledged it as an atonement for your sins. You know, we just can't walk around here assuming that we're Christians and we're saved. That's how we get people out there in, 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 no man's land saying they love God and serve God and they think they're getting away with something and everybody knows what they did. You understand what I'm saying? They, they trample the blood underfoot and cause the, the to sacrifice to be of none effect. You, you can't do that. You have to always, I know there are some people that back in the old days, they would do what they say, plead the blood. Amen. Where people would find out how to appropriate the blood of jesus our friend uh henry groover who just passed away and went home to be with the lord the prayer walker guy he he uh, they had an accident he had he and his wife had 13 children they had seven of them with them in a van she lost control of the van it flipped over he flipped out and he was he was dead for 30 minutes 
and he said when he came to he heard his daughter pleading the blood of jesus she said devil that's my daddy you can't take him the blood of jesus live daddy and he got up he said the hole in his head closed up he went to a wedding the next day don't stop at the hospital they might find something see when you have full assurance of faith you live walking in the blood of jesus you live acknowledging that you live because that power is what has given you access to anything it has given you access to your paycheck it's given you access to the roof over your head the job that you have everything that's your that's how you got those things was through his precious blood the blood is what gives us boldness it it, and boldness really means confidence boldness doesn't mean you're gonna bogart god and tell him he gotta listen to you you know people always get everything twisted we you know we all like little gangsters inside if we could get out you know i'm boldly going then you're gonna get boldly popped upside your head if you don't learn some manners you know what i'm saying need to learn some manners man look at the cross look at you know mel gibson yeah mel gibson made that movie the passion of the christ get ready to make another one he said the first one almost killed him and everybody else that was see those of us who know everything need to pray for people like that you understand what i'm saying because we quick to judge well now why didn't they just take authority why don't you well he's catholic you know he may not even be saved he saved enough to get a story told that saved enough other people mess the devil's head up pretty bad but he said that he was a drunk and he was uh, a depressed person all of his adult life making movies making tons of money he said and one day he decided to meditate on the cross and came out healed with a story that focuses the story of christ totally on the atonement and the work of the cross in hopes that other people could benefit from that story just like he did see you don't have to complicate things in order to help people just keep it simple keep it to the point get your point across and learn how to get it across quickly and you can help a lot of people he could care less what the rest of the christians think about him he didn't let that stop him he don't care what uh who is that harvey weinstein them type of people he don't care what they think about him either you understand what i'm saying he just went and did what he felt the lord told him to do why because in the sanctuary of his heart he found out something about god that few people do there are a lot of people would love to be healed but can't quite get it you understand what i'm saying Uh, you know and i know those of us who understand their healing and understand that they're standing on the word i'm not talking about people like that who have knowledge but i am because everybody's a work in progress amen in process but i am talking about people 
who are are doing the best they can with the knowledge they have in God but don't know how to get any further. Simple things like that can help multitudes of people, folks, multitudes of people. So his time in the sanctuary of God paid off big time. He said he didn't do the the movie for money. He already had tons of money. But he did it because he did it, number one, to honor his father, he said, and he did it because he just felt compelled to tell the story of how Jesus' atonement had helped him. So we're to go boldly into the throne of grace. Hebrews 9, 7 tells us, not without blood. So how are we going to enter into prayer and worship and anything without blood? Oh, the blood's been shed for us. You just keep doing the same. No, you're not doing the same thing over and over again. You're not shedding anything. But you are merely acknowledging the aspect that that blood is what paid for you to be there. And that you need to acknowledge that you have transgressed God's law and you need to make it right with him through apology, asking forgiveness, and then the atonement works for you. You try to cut corners, you're going to come up with something cut up. You understand me? You're not going to have all the pieces of what you want out of life. Everything we shave off from obedience in God get shaved off on our answer you don't cut corners with anything he can cut corners with us he suffered and died as long as he had to until it pleased the father that the job was done he did it all honey and we don't cut corners in fact find out how to do some more because you're going to need that's your rainy day obedience you understand what I'm saying you need your basic and you need your rainy day also Uh everybody with grown kids or teenage kids know what i'm talking about you got to keep something banked up Uh like job he never knew what them kids of his was doing he's sitting there guessing they done probably cussed god out and that look oh i hear him up there partying again i better get out here and offer another sacrifice huh y'all know what i mean by rainy day so boldness because of the blood and because we confess our sins before god and appropriate the atonement worship from the heart always begins with love god gives us his love first amen first love one love that's who we are we're one love with him without the knowledge of his love we easily disconnect from god Amen. If if we don't focus, you know, find your scriptures, ask God to to uh, give you evidence of things and show him your love, show him, show you different things to to validate his love for you. You've got to make this an active thing. It's got to be something that you, between you and God, that you know. And you get that through worship. You get that from the sanctuary of your heart. You get that through experience in in allowing your heart to reach out to God and express your adoration, express your praise, express your gratitude, express all of those things that we keep bottled up in us most of the time. They need to come out of us as an offering to God. That is your spiritual sacrifice. 
is is the words and the 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 uh, aspects of your heart you know god wants us to worship him spirit and truth truth is every aspect of your being you know if you hold something back from the worship of god you're lying to him you're not given everything that's not really spiritual worship so you let everything go god touch my mind touch my heart touch my emotions i want everything cleansed i want everything right like you i want everything under that blood and you begin to experience the transformation the transforming power he won't touch your soul if you don't invite him there he won't change your soul if you don't invite him there the cleansing lays a groundwork for your meditation of the word you know when your mind when your soul is cleansed and your mind is cleansed and your heart is cleansed god has a a pure foundation on which to build your life and when you start to receive scripture you start to meditate on the word it finds a a a dwelling place because your heart's cleansed so you can put clean word on top of a clean heart then your meditations are perfect your meditations are pure your meditations are right you understand the right things about life you're able to love people that are unlovable amen and you're able to forgive people that that maybe are holding you hostage in some way you're able to complete that that spiritual worship and that spiritual sacrifice that god so wants to bless us with that is a blessing folks if you can can let everything go and let god have it and let him bring pure things back to you your heart's pure your words are pure your thoughts are pure amen everything is pure before god's eyes so worship from the heart we say begins with love when we know god loves us we are able to love him and everybody else without this we disconnect easily from god amen people often disconnect from god because they are more comfortable in the outer court huh they are you know because everybody you know you're in there in the congregation everybody's doing this and seem to be having a wonderful time and that's as far as i go huh it's a safety zone amen so outer court worship is not going to cut it for where god wants us to go folks outer court is cool but you've got to allow him to enter into the sanctuary of your heart go in there in some of them rooms that you keep the door locked because you didn't threw all the the you know clothes and got 15 clothes hampers in there and all that stuff in there ain't got no washing machine going no time and all that kind of stuff and you just gonna lock up some doors in there well god wants behind them doors he wants in all of that you know we say you know what in the outer court it reminds me of in the outer court your your mind hasn't changed very much see so in the outer court see when you're you get that change you get that conversion that change in your thinking that change only in the 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 secret place in the sanctuary of your heart where everything is opened by god everything is 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 revealed to you 
And he begins to heal. He begins to pour in the oil and the wine. He begins to pour in the balm of Gilead. He begins to pour in. He becomes your good Samaritan where you can run in there and every time something hurts you or somebody hurts you or whatever goes out, he does, he's your doctor. He does all of that for you. Amen. And you experience your wholeness where nobody knows your problem but you and God. You understand what I'm saying? And God wants to do that for everybody. He wants us to have these holy place experiences. Outer court is where everybody talks about everything. Oh, yeah, I found out the other day in the outer court, uh, Dr. Drew was up in there. And I found out the reason I have so many problems is that my mother didn't give me but three hugs a day. And she acted like she didn't want to give me that. So, see, my problem is that's outer court. Huh? Outer court. You're invited into the holy place. You got him living in here. Tell him about your mama. Tell him. And you know what he going to tell you? He going to tell you, I sent that mother to you for my glory. Everything's for his glory. And see, I'll make a testimony, but you got to quit ragging about it. You got to quit whining about it. You got to bring it to me in the secret place. Let me and you deal on it. If you want it taken care of. A lot of people like order, outer court stuff. They like talking about, and see the reason I didn't go to that church. Huh? We want to broadcast and tell everybody, but we'll go in there, worship with them, lift holy hands, and then we get out in the parking lot, and boy, a whole difference. Huh? God says, I didn't save you for the outer court. I saved you can go straight into the holy. You can bypass the outer court. Amen. You go straight into the holy place in the sanctuary of your heart where I can deal and show you, prove to you you're a new creature. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. You know, people get all hung up. Well, see, they treat me like they did before I was saved. You ain't got no business trying to prove nothing to them. Huh? God didn't send you to, to, you know, argue with people that you changed. You get involved in that and you'll be changed for real. You'll be worse than you ever were messing around with some people. Trying to prove who you are. See, people with a prophecy on Facebook every day, proving they're a prophet. Huh? You ain't proved nothing to me. Because you don't know how to shut up. Am I done yet? First thing prophets learn is how to shut up and let God talk. All right, I'm done. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because you first loved us, we love you. Praise God. Well, if anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Amen. But remember the blood and the sanctuary. Amen. Gives you access to the sanctuary.